I'm leaving Santa home star. Hey Santa, thanks for working so hard. Hey Santa, I know you travel so far. Hey Santa, I'm leaving Santa Lone Star. Yeah, good morning, sweet, beautiful Texas and beyond. Merry Christmas, happy holidays to you. I am. In the holiday spirit, that is for sure. Cable Smith here, and you're tuned in to the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Thanks to our presenting sponsors, as always, Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. And thanks to you guys and gals for being here today, as this is my favorite time of the year. Actually, hunting season is my favorite time of the year. And Christmas, the holiday season, just happens to fall right in the middle of it. So it's the best of both worlds. Hope y'all are uh, in the giving spirit. I know I am. We'll have a giveaway coming up here momentarily. Uh, but first, but first, but first, let me tell you what is coming up on today's show. Uh, you know what to do by now. Pull up that stool a little closer to the campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old thermos. You know, the one that, uh, if it's like mine, still has mud caked on it from three seasons ago, plus whatever you... Just put on it this week. I know I did. Golly, it was a messy, messy hunt uh, on Wednesday. But a good one. Took the boy out with my friend Brett from Three Curl Outfitters and his son Bryce. And so uh, Henry, myself, and uh, the two of them, plus Bell, uh, we had a great time. I think we shot six ducks. And uh, that was really secondary to the amount of smiles going on in the duck blind that morning. I tell you what, it was a hoot. And the kiddos certainly enjoyed themselves, as did their dads. So, anyway, here is what's on the docket for today. Off the top, we'll be joined by our old friend, Dr. James Kroll, a.k.a. Dr. Deer. We'll get into the ones and twos of the Whitetail Woods. We've all been there. You're sitting in your blind or tree stand, and your stomach starts gurgling. you got to get down, and you've got to go to the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> where should you go? How far do you need to get away from your blind tree stand or, or feeder? Or does it even matter? I mean, do the deer know the difference uh, between human waste versus a cow or a coyote? Or do they even care? And then also, what about number one? Where should you pee? Or does it matter? Uh, it's an interesting topic, and there are a lot of opinions out there. But uh, Dr. Deer has studied it in great detail. And so we'll pick his brain on where to do those deeds here this morning. Uh, then, a uh, very special guest, one that I'm excited about because I truly believe Mo Pitney is one of uh, country music's really bright stars. He's got a great future. He's got an authentic voice and writes some incredibly uh, introspective and, and soulful tunes. Uh, he's also a big-time bow hunter and raises Britney Spaniels. As, uh, he's obsessed with upland hunting as well. So I'm thrilled to have Mo joining the broadcast today. Uh, as we're going to spend a couple segments with him uh, before we wrap up the show by talking Bob White Quail with uh, Quail Coalition Executive Director Jay Stein. He'll be here in studio, and we're going to discuss a couple of parasites that might be responsible for declining quail numbers this year. We all know drought is the number one factor. Uh, we had great years the last couple seasons uh, as far as population goes. But they're down this year, and conditions weren't all that bad. So and we'll try to figure out what's going on uh, when Jay joins us here in just a little bit. 
Uh, so that is what's on the program for today. It's going to be a good one. I'm certainly excited about it. A couple other things to mention. Our December Photo of the Month contest is rocking and rolling. We've got a pair of Costa sunglasses. Yep, that's right. Costa sunglasses, a Costa cap and T-shirt as our December uh, grand prize. So email me your best hunting or fishing photo to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. Better yet, post it on our Facebook page or Instagram wall. Use that hashtag LSOS photo contest. We'll get you entered into this month's contest. And then also, I wanted to remind you that the Lone Star Outdoors Show 10 Days of Christmas will begin on Monday, December 11th. Check out our Instagram page for uh, 10 straight days of awesome giveaways from our sponsors. Uh, so just want to remind you about that because we're going to be giving away everything from bison tumblers to Mossberg shotguns, broadheads, and everything in between. And then, uh, you know what, let's do a, let's do a quick giveaway because we've got to work in a break here. Uh, I've got a Lone Star Beer camo cap, a Lone Star Beer camo dove seat that doubles as a cooler. This thing's pretty badass, by the way. I might want to keep it for myself. Nah, just playing. I'll give it to one of y'all. Uh, and then we'll throw in a Lone Star Outdoors Show sticker to the third person to text in the word Dookie. Yeah, that's right, Dookie to 214 Two eight nine seven eight zero seven. We're gonna talk some Dookie. Where should you put it in the Whitetail Woods? Up next with Doctor Deer right here on the Lone Star Outdoors. Hey y'all, Cable here for Three Curl Outfitters, and whether you want to bow hunt hogs or get after them with thermal imaging and night vision under the cover of darkness, Three Curl has you covered. They've got the latest and greatest thermal imaging and night vision technology. They hunt unlimited, I mean, just thousands upon thousands of acres of ag fields. Or if you're a bow hunter and you want to sit in a stand and wait for the hog to come to you, uh, they can do that as well. Check it out, 3curl.com to book your next hog hunt. Hi, I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails Magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Please keep buying your Polaris products from us. Send us your friends, your neighbors, all your hunting buddies, and I promise we'll keep giving the best deals on a brand new Polaris in all of Texas. Whether you're looking for a Polaris for work or play, whether you need a regular Ranger or maybe a Ranger Crew, an RZR, they've got an all-new Ace that you need to come test drive. We've also got four-wheelers from a youth model all the way up to the all-new Sportsman 1000. For your Polaris headquarters, Hoff Powers Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas is who you need to see all or get on the web and contact today. You can check us out at hpolaris.com. That's H's in Hoff Power, polaris.com. Or you can come see us at Highway 84 West in Gulfway, Texas. And folks, Hoff Powers has been in Central Texas for over 50 years now, and we couldn't have stuck around this long if we were steering you wrong. Hey y'all, Cable here for my good friends over at Outlaw Outfitters. This veteran-owned and operated outfit will put you on the ducks, to say the least. I've been hunting with them for, gosh, four or five years now. They also do uh, deer, hog, and turkey as well. 
They have over 15,000 acres they hunt in Collin, Grayson, and Fannin counties. Whether you want to do a turnkey, you know, one morning waterfowl hunt or a complete weekend package with authentic Cajun cooking and lodging, it's all right there within an hour of the Metroplex and you can find them at huntoutlaw.com. There's a river tumbling down the mountainside I can feel the north wind blow Through the trees and over to the other side Carry me down to the valley below And I'm on the road There's a little Reckless Kelly bringing us back on the Lone Star Your show powered by Dallas Safari Club Fable Smith here with you. Thank you for tuning in today. Thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris as well. We are all set to get into the ones and twos of the Whitetail Woods. And you can, I know it sounds weird, but uh, you can draw your own conclusions as to what you think that topic is going to be about. But first, this segment of the show brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy with uh, locations in Marion and San Antonio, Texas. Josh and Becky Gunther are not only amazing taxidermists, but they're my good friends. They take care of me, whether it's a trout, a white-tailed deer, a black bear, exotics, turkeys, whatever, ducks, you name it. If I shoot it and it needs to go on the wall because I want that memory to last a lifetime, then they're the ones who take care of it. Tell them I sent you, and you can find them by visiting gr8mounts.com. That's gr8mounts.com. All right, without further ado, uh, let's get into our next topic uh, because anyone who's hunted with me knows that uh, sometimes, yeah, in the mornings especially, I got to go to the bathroom. And I don't always get up early enough to make that happen before the hunt. So it is what it is. There's a running joke there between me and my hunting buddies, but uh, (laughs) it's not that big of a deal on a duck or a dove hunt, but when you have to climb out of a tree stand, man, where should you do it? And how far away should you get from your setup? Or does it even matter? Do the deer not even care? Joining us now, uh, someone who is far more knowledgeable on the subject than myself, it's my pleasure to welcome back to the program our old friend, Dr. James Kroll, a.k.a. Dr. Deer. Great to be with you. Absolutely. So we've been uh, we've been doing this for gosh what, six or seven years now, <laughs> and uh, and you jump on periodically to talk whitetails with us. Always a treat. Uh, so I've got a topic I want to get into this morning. But first of all, tell us how your season has been going. My season's been going incredibly well. Uh, I'm I'm now four for four. We've shot four shows, and I've shot four bucks. So nice. I'm doing very well this year. Excellent. With muzzle loader and uh, rifle and handgun. Yeah. Well, and our, our mutual buddy, Rob Hughes, over at Sendero Seed Company, he told me uh, just kind of casually about the muzzle loader hunt. I think that was a poke uh, with with a uh, <laughs> with a black powder weapon. Yeah, black powder, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, he said it was a pretty far shot. It was 260 yards. Yeah. Well, that's getting out there with the muzzle loader. Yeah, but... Uh... I tell you the the encore I was using is really good, mm-hmm. so it's very accurate. And I got a good load using blackhorn powder and you know, hornady bullets, and they're they're getting out there and being pretty accurate. Well, so how you know ballistically though, how much drop is that is that going to have at 260 yards? Are you I mean are you putting it like two feet above the deer's shoulder? Oh no no no, uh, I'm using that. Uh, or I was using that Nikon, was it BDC with uh-huh. 
with the circles on it. I was down to the third circle, and I would say I would probably drop uh, eight inches. Mm-hmm. It wasn't bad. That's not oh, okay. I would have thought I'd been a little more than that. I haven't, I haven't shot yeah. anything at that distance. I've only you know reached out to about two hundred, and I was getting about probably with with my setup about twelve inches of uh, drop there. Wow, yeah. that's a lot. Yeah, so I probably wouldn't have taken that two hundred sixty yard shot. Well, I, I argued with myself forever, uh-huh. but I had I had confidence in the in the rifle. I knew what it what it did to two hundred, mm-hmm. and I figured, but yeah, two sixty I can make it, and it, it hit him exactly where I aimed. So nice, nice. Well, you know, you can always. Or I I guess I could increase my uh, my uh, my powder as far as put another pellet sure. in there and and sure. really blast it out, but. Well, that's cool. So four for four. Um, yep. We'll, we'll get to see those on upcoming um, uh, editions of the the show, which uh, I don't remember what time it's on these days. I just have. Oh, set gee, to... I don't. I know it's on three times a week, and then it's got reruns. I figured out uh, North American Whitetail is on uh, point every point eight four days <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> right, right. So just set, find it and, and set the DVR. Yeah, it's on Sportsman's Channel. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, uh, hey, what I want to talk about this morning is human scent, and I'm not talking about um, the scent that our body gives off as we we're sitting in a tree stand or sitting in our blind or whatever, or even walking to and from uh, where we're going to set up. I'm talking about uh, waste, like so, and I have this mm-hmm. pop up all the time because, you know, I, I drink my morning coffee and all of a sudden it's like this gurgle mm-hmm. in my stomach, and it's like, oh man, this is not good. Uh, mm-hmm. and so whether it's number one or number two, you know, you, you run out of the blind and, or you know, if it's number one, I usually just take a Gatorade bottle or something with me and just go in that. But number two, that, that's a different story. So it's kind of a gross thing to talk about, but I think it's important. <laughs> uh, and so I wanted to ask you like, so once you do that deed in the woods and I try to get yep. it, basically I run as far away as I can before that, before I just can't run any farther from my, yeah. from my blinder feet or whatever. Yeah. Do deer know that that's from a human or because we have horses, coyotes, you know, all other kinds of animals, hogs mm-hmm. running around our, our lease. Do they know that's from a human and try to avoid it? Or is it just like, oh, there's just another pile of crap? Uh, well, let's, let's start out with number one. Okay. <laughs> uh, we'd long ago quit carrying a bottle, to, and I don't mean Jack Daniels. I'm talking about a, a urine bottle uh-huh. to the stand. I just, I just urinate off the stand. Right. And. That resulted from, I mean, I had known that for a long time, but we had done that work uh, where we were comparing uh, uh, different kinds of chemicals in mock scrapes, and one of those was human urine, and we didn't, we got the same number of deer coming to human urine as we did to buck lure, so mm-hmm. we just quit. And when I was a lot younger, I used to urinate in scrapes, uh, and it used to really make bucks mad. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, now at my age, I do it, and they just kind of giggle when they come up there, but... But but I don't I don't worry about that now. And moving to number two, uh, it's probably a good idea uh, to get away from your stand. And uh, you know, I, I in my pack I carry a little a little uh, you know collapsible shovel. And if I it, it doesn't happen very often because I I usually kind of try to time things that way. But things do happen. Well, I just uh, and I just I dig a little hole control. and I get away from the stand and dig a little hole. Yeah. But you know, getting away from the stand is going to disrupt everything. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't, I really don't give it a whole lot of thought. It's just an anecdotal thing, as like you said, it's kind of gross to talk about. But 
years ago I killed the boggy slough monster, which I guess mm-hmm. really made my career. But uh, about oh, 10 minutes before I grunted in and killed that deer, uh, I had I had an incredible case of upset stomach, <laughs> and I I just rolled the log over and and went and covered it back up with the log. Yeah. And like I said, ten or fifteen minutes later, I grunted in, you know, biggest deer I ever killed off Boggy Slough, mm-hmm. and shot him at twelve yards. Oh, I so, remember that that deer very well. But I had the wind on him. I did have the wind on him. You know, sure. That, that makes a big difference. Well, so okay, so here's the here's the question. So if you do that and leave it there. Cover it up, whatever. I mean, I always try to, if I don't have a shovel, I kick leaves or dirt over it or whatever. Yeah. You know, try to hide it. Um, but if the wind, if the deer get that scent and they're coming from downwind, is that going to freak them out or as much as like smelling a human? No, okay. I don't think so. Uh, because, uh, you know, I see cows defecate all the time, uh, you know, right where I'm hunting and mm-hmm. deer come by it and they, they just kind of look at it, but they don't, I mean, they don't freak completely out and take sure. off. Yeah. So that's I don't, a really I don't good comparison because so. we're coyotes and, and humans. We're both hunting these deer. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the, obviously, you know, the trails and um, animals, whatever the species, they're going to use the path of least resistance. So you see coyote crap yeah. on a trail right next to deer crap. So. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. So, yeah. So that, I was just thinking about that. So this was a, uh, this was a couple of weeks ago. And uh, and I had that experience, and I was like, oh, man, I'm so close to my, you know, maybe 100 yards from my stand is as far as I can yeah. make it. And I was just like, this has to happen now. And yeah. uh, and then so I'm walking back to the stand, Dr. Deer, and I'm not kidding you. The rut was going on, and this doe from about 50 yards to my left just runs out of the woods as I'm climbing back into my stand. Not not because of me. Then two seconds later, here's this buck hot on her heels. And it was a shooter. I mean, I, was, I yelled at him, hey, hey, deer, you know, man, you know, the whole deal. And he just. Yeah, no, he didn't stop. He just kept beeline. I didn't even know. I don't even think he acknowledged my existence. Uh, but they had to have, you know, they had to have smelled that. I mean, they came right from that direction, you know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and I ended up killing that buck that afternoon. He made him. He came into. Uh, speaking of scents, he came into a, a little scent blaster thing, which I gave you one of those at the uh, trophy hunter show. Um, yeah. But uh, had it with uh, some megatarsal plus, um, just trying to. Get get him riled up, thinking there was another buck in the area, and he he beelined it straight to that, and that was all she wrote for him. But uh, but yeah, so urine doesn't matter. Number two, just get away from your stand or, or feeder, right. obviously, as far as you can. But but really, I mean, what you're saying is these animals are not as concerned about that. No. So interesting, no. interesting stuff. Yeah, but you know, what about when you're walking in? Uh, how much? How much thought do you put into actually where you're stepping and can the deer smell where your, where your footprint has been? Oh yeah, <clears throat> they can. And, uh, uh, of course I, I'm, I go to great lengths to plot my, my, uh, ingress and egress mm-hmm. to a stand is, is I, you know, I don't want to bump any deer, but I also don't want to have the wind going into the area where I'm pretty sure the deer are going to be coming from. So I'm always walking into the wind, but you know, people, they spray all this stuff on them and then they, uh, I do that. I mean, I, their, I try to do it as much as I can Yeah, on their boots and stuff. And then they walk in and, and vegetation rubs against the side of their clothes mm-hmm. or even their arms or whatever, you know? So it's real hard not to leave, leave scent out there. I don't think it lasts very long, mm-hmm. but, uh, uh, again, it's anecdotal and I, 
one time I put a a, a camera out uh, where I was on the trail I was going to be hunting because I want to get some some uh, video of the deer coming before I shot it that kind of stuff. That was before GoPros and stuff like that. <clears throat> anyway, I had it on a tree. I sat back and watched, and a, and a deer came, a buck came along. It was a young buck, but a young buck came along, came to the spot where I was walking, put his nose to the ground, followed, followed my trail all the way to the camera, and stuck his nose in the camera. I got a picture of him with his nose. <laughs> so, and that had been, oh gosh, an hour. <laughs> so it lasts a while, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, you know, I don't think it lasts more than a few hours, but. Yeah, but they they will. It's very very difficult to not leave a scent trail. Yeah, I don't care what you're spraying on you or anything else. It's very difficult. So the best thing to do is to is to plan your plan the way you're going to get to the blind. Always work with the wind. You know that's it. That's all you basically can do. Right. Well, and on my place, I figured out it's much easier for me, especially when it comes to bow hunting. Uh, I really prefer the afternoons because the morning getting in and out is uh yeah really just getting in is you know how I don't know, how terrible. many dozens of times it's you just hear that snort yep. and you're like oh crap this gigs up yeah. you know um, so now I've started taking the thermal monocular with me and uh, and that's been a game changer and it's legal mm-hmm. so you know I just use that yeah and if there's deer in the direction I'm headed then I wait for them to move off mm-hmm. and uh, and then and I've I've definitely decreased <laughs> the uh, the probability of getting busted. I just having that in my, mm-hmm. you know, in my mm-hmm. pack. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, interesting stuff. So I certainly appreciate you jumping on as always. Uh, what's the next place that you're headed off to? I'm going to Mexico. All right. Uh, on the, I hope oh. you come back with your head. <laughs> A lot of people <laughs> ask me about that. But, you know, it's not, uh, it's, if you, if you, if you use the right people and, you know, and we do. We use Angadi, uh-huh. which is, uh, you know, the the, the Mexico Ranchers and Hunters uh, Association. Uh, you know, they they handle everything. So I don't I don't really have any any real problems when we yeah when we go. So I I'm I'm not that concerned. Yeah, I'm not that concerned. Well, and I also tell be. people if you don't if you don't try to sell drugs <laughs> and you don't go to bars and bad places then you're probably going to stay out of trouble yeah yeah you can drink whiskey at the ranch you don't need to go to bars oh uh, yeah i guarantee you don't need to go to bars <laughs> <laughs> yeah well cool well, well good luck on that adventure and uh thank you folks i just want to remind them check out north american whitetail on sportsman's channel just find it on your dvr hit the uh, record button and you'll be set so uh, hey, uh, before we go, uh, oh, sure. a quick heads up: the first Saturday in March will be our annual field day. Awesome! It'll be announced on DrDeer.com, and people can sign up for it. Awesome! And that usually sells out, so people need to jump on yep. it early. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, I'm sure we'll talk before then. So, uh, have a great rest of the season, and, and thanks for the time today. You're more than welcome, man. You All right. Take care. Good luck to you. All right. Appreciate it. Uh huh. Bye bye. All right. There he goes, our old friend, Dr. Deer. I got to say. In all the years we've been uh, visiting with James, that's the first time I've ever, I think, made him uncomfortable. So there you have it, though. His take, just let fly wherever. It doesn't matter one bit. Uh, Good stuff. That segment brought to you by Sendero Seed Company, Texas premier seed company. They've got anything and everything you need to keep a happy and healthy whitetail herd, including the Dr. Deer-backed Buckforge Oats, 
Check them out at SenderoSeed.com or call Rob Hughes at one 610 seed today uh, Let's take a break. Up next, one of my favorite up-and-coming musicians, a, a real throwback to what I think country music should sound like. He also happens to be an avid deer hunter and raises upland bird dogs. Mo Pitney drops by next right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution. The System Hog Trap comes in two sizes, 17-foot and 30-foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The System is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's goinfencing.com. Cable Smith here for Deerview Windows. As a whitetail hunter, nothing is more frustrating than poor visibility in a deer blind. It can flat ruin a hunt. At Deerview Window Company, they manufacture windows solely for the use in deer stand and deer blinds. All of their windows and doors can be custom made to fit your specific openings. Or you can select from standard sizes, from hinged windows to sliding windows and everything in between. Visit DeerviewWindows.com to determine which style window is best for your deer blind. Plus, you'll get a free quote. Deerview Windows, where visibility matters. Hey, it's Cable for DontTradeItIn.com. If you've got an old four-wheel drive vehicle that you don't need anymore or you want to upgrade your daily driver or hunting rig to a newer one, DontTradeItIn.com wants your vehicle running or not. Their purchase process is quick, easy, and painless. Answer a few questions and get a cash offer in no time. They'll beat CarMax and dealership buy bids, guaranteed. Head over to DontTradeItIn.com or call or text Justin at 469-300-9669. That's 469-300-9669. Howdy friends, Cable Smith here, and many of you have seen my pictures throughout the last hunting season of my custom 7 mag. That rifle was built by Horizon Firearms. Horizon Firearms is a custom rifle builder here in Texas, located in College Station, and they specialize in extremely accurate custom rifles designed exactly the way you want them. Give them a call at 979-229-4664 or check them out at horizonfirearms.com. Let me tell you about country Country can be in the middle of a city Country can be on a farm Country ain't even a place on the map It's a place in your heart that's the music of Mo Pitney bringing us back here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Cable Smith, right shotgun with you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, thanks to Lone Star View and Hoff Power Polaris as well, our longtime presenting sponsors. Uh, we're actually all set to talk some hunting with Mo, uh, one of what I believe to be real country music's true up-and-comers. Uh, he's also an avid bow hunter and raises Brittany Spaniels. Uh, but before we welcome Mo Pitney to the show, this segment is brought to you by Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas and Rudy's True Texas Style Barbecue. Here's what you do. After the hunt, you head over to Rudy's, my favorite post-hunt grub place, grab yourself some barbecue, and wash it down with an ice-cold Lone Star Beer. Lone Star Beer, the national beer 
of Texas. All right, let's bring him on right now. Joining us from somewhere near the outskirts of Nashville, Tennessee, it's my pleasure to welcome Mo Pitney to the show. Hey, I'm so glad to be here. Absolutely. So I got to admit, buddy, I've been aware of your music for a couple, probably a couple years now, uh, but I had no idea that you were an avid outdoorsman until one of our our Instagram followers, his name's Adam Brister, he sent me a message that you were, uh, you know, really big into hunting and fishing. So naturally I went over and and checked out your your Instagram page and it was, hey, here's me deer hunting, here's me deer hunting, here's me with a guitar, here's me in a tree stand, here's me fishing, (laughs) quail hunting. Grand Old Opry, bird dog, deer hunting, you know, so I was like, all right, so I, uh, I tracked you down, and, and here we are, so good. how's your, uh, how's your hunting season been so far? Well, it's been good, I've, I've, um, I've seen a lot of deer, I've let some deer walk, um, and I've let the arrow fly a few times and have not been able to put my hands on them, so mm-hmm. I've had a, a couple frustrating, just the shots that, uh, I was pretty confident we're, we're okay, but for some reason, whether it be one time, uh, I, I gave him some time and it rained all night. So I lost my trail to find him and, mm-hmm. um, just a couple things that kind of left me a little frustrated. And, uh, my wife, uh, asked me why there's not meat in the freezer yet, but, <laughs> but I'm, I'm in a place where I think I'm, I'm really enjoying watching the sun come up. And I think I would take a you know a doe the first time she came through just because i'm i'm enjoying being out i've spent a lot of time at it and, and uh i just think it'll be great so yeah yeah well yeah. that's part of, especially for a bow hunter i mean that's sometimes it, that's the way it, it goes so yeah yeah and now and so where do you live exactly i live in ashton city tennessee so it's about uh 40 minutes uh, west and a little north of Nashville. Mm-hmm. I'm originally from Illinois, so I'm kind of learning the ropes here in Tennessee, learning a kind of a different way to stick and string hunt. Back back home, I think I had them a little more figured out than I do here with their food sources and bedding areas. But these hills and lack of crops is something that leaves me scratching my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we, this far south, I, I don't know how your acorn crop has been, but it's uh Ours was pretty insane. Like it, and it, it made really? bow hunting pretty tough this year. Wow. Yeah. I don't know much about hunt. You know, trying to figure out and understand how to hunt on acorns because I've never paid much attention to that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something I need to probably learn a little bit more about and and know what to look for and how they're using it and what times they're using it because I've always just hunted on bean fields and corn fields and you know you know deer plots and stuff like that up home yeah yeah well so you live just far enough from nashville to to probably keep your sanity huh yeah that was our hope when we moved here this is pretty much the only direction close enough that's not overdeveloped it still feels like tennessee (laughs) it still feels like kind of just the natives here are just uh i go down to the co-op and uh, there's not many music people around and i'm just mode that gets hay for my bird dogs and i get to stay you know not that there's anything wrong with the music business it's just good to be able to live in an area where that's not all there is you know so it's been a good spot for us well so you're from illinois like you said did you did you grow up in a small town Cherry Valley is where I grew up. I was born in Rockford, which is a little 
uh, is really what Cherry Valley is connected to, which is a little larger. But Cherry Valley is a little red brick town that has a little, uh, probably a, I don't know, 10-acre lake. Um, it's called Ballman Park Lake that I used to fish at all the time. And we were kind of right on the outskirts of town. So in my backyard, there was an apple orchard that I got to deer hunt and it was kind of a really nice little spot for us. And, um, but yeah, little town called Cherry Valley, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and your dad is responsible <laughs> for your love of music. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's the steel guitar player and a banjo player and, obviously played bluegrass and country records in his car all the time and every young boy wants to be like his dad i think god's wired us that way kind of growing up and you think he's god and uh so wanting to mirror that i kind of developed my own love for it you know on that journey it wasn't just i want to i want to impress dad at one point it really grabbed me as i started to learn more about it and let it all sink in you know Mm -hmm. but it, it, without him, I don't know that I'd be so gripped by it. Yeah. Well, and, and so obviously he instilled that passion in you. Is he is he responsible for the for the outdoors? Uh, that you know what it means. In yeah. Life? Yeah. I uncovered an old. Um, I don't think it was black and white. It was almost brown and white picture of him standing on the back of his old Ford truck with a Brittany called Duchess and three roosters laying on the tailgate. <laughs> and when I saw that picture, my dad with his mustache and his big trucker hat, um, I thought that was pretty cool. And, and I asked him to take me pheasant hunting. And we went out in the first morning we went out. We didn't have no dogs. Um, he always told me about his dog that he had to give away when I was born. But uh, we walked down a fence row and kicked up two roosters and he missed both of them (laughs) and uh he said he said man if we would have a dog i would have known them birds were there (laughs) and he blamed it on not having a dog which he probably should have could have but uh then i started asking for a bird dog every christmas after that and i think it was two years maybe three years after that my dad bought me two britons And uh, in that time, I had done a little deer hunting, which my uncle Perry and cousin Luke were big bow hunters, and I was slowly learning about that. But my dad was mostly a bird hunter, and, and I really took off with that, and he kind of helped me train my dogs. And I named one of my girls Duchess, like dad's dog was, and the other one Duke. And uh, me and my brother, Blake, uh, just kind of took off. And so those roots came, obviously, from my dad as well. Yeah, so. Awesome. Well, yeah, and, and my favorite song of yours is, is one that reflects fondly on that kind of man, I guess your dad uh, is, and it's called My Father Didn't Raise No Fool. Yeah, wow. <laughs> which which is unreleased. and Yeah, uh, not even, but, re- well, I guess it is recorded, it just hasn't been released yet. Yeah, well, so people can find it on YouTube. Uh, I don't I don't think that, you know, I don't guess you can get it on Spotify or iTunes. Or not yet, yeah. no, not yet. So, um, well, uh, well, so what has been... Um, your most memorable hunt of this fall, and I know you said it was frustrating, but I, I don't know if in Tennessee, I mean, I don't think there's pheasants there, but you guys might have quail. Yeah, I haven't broke my dogs out yet. I bought a new diamond plate tool, I mean, dog box yesterday used from a guy, uh-huh. and I'll take them dogs out, I think, this week one morning with my brother. But my favorite hunt this year, even though I didn't find the deer, 
Um, it was, a, I think he was a three-year-old eight pointer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think I, I passed a lot of three-year-olds, but, but as much as I hunted in Tennessee, not totally knowing what I was doing, I passed, you know, a couple two-year-olds. And that morning I had a, uh, two-year-old chasing a doe through the woods. And, uh, around nine fifteen, I had, a uh, that three-year-old eight pointer come out and make a scrape right in front of me and uh kind of watched him for five minutes until he turned far enough broadside and i let the arrow fly hit him a little far back and uh it happens he yeah he took off and my wife and i strapped my baby new baby to my back and the, the baby carrier and we looked and looked and looked and he crossed the road and then it started raining and ended up not being able to find him and so although we didn't like I said, put my hands on the deer. That was an exciting morning when things were happening well, and and uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, well, and those ones that we lose, I mean, those are the ones that stick with us and make us, you know, either you either pick yourself up and, and it makes you want to get back out there even more, mm-hmm. you know, or, or or hunting's really not for you because it's going to happen. Yeah, you know? yeah, it is. It is. Everyone's this year more than this year combined, I think more than my entire life, but it it's that's okay i this i was about due for a couple of these <laughs> <laughs> so what's the biggest buck you've shot back home because you guys I mean, uh, y'all have those midwest hundred, monsters in illinois yeah he was all broken up he's a four and a half year old 10 point i have him mounted and i think he's probably maybe pushing 140 uh-huh. uh, with all his tines on now he's broken up when i shot him yeah. um but i have pictures of him three years in a row we call him the called him the floppy ear buck because he had a big look like a cattle he had a hole in his ear uh, that that hung his ear down and i shot him um in winnebago county in illinois at eight o'clock in the morning on november 8th (laughs) and i missed him on november 7th at noon i did an all-day sit in the rain Oh, wow. He came by chasing a doe. I missed him at noon because I hit a branch. Oh. And I shot him the next morning at 8 o'clock uh, on the other side of the farm. But uh, I think he's maybe, with all his tines, which I had the taxidermist put it on because I had pictures of him, uh-huh. he might have been 139 inches or something, you know, pushing 140. But he yeah. just didn't have a lot of mass. Mm-hmm. Nice buck. But uh, it was it was fun. That that hole in his ear ended up being when I skinned him. He had a hole in his ear, and then he had an entry wound in his neck and an exit wound in the center of his neck. Hmm. And so it looked like either a, a probably a shotgun hunter put a bullet through his ear, through his neck, and out the other side, and he made it. Uh, and it looked like he was, I think he was two and a half when that had happened to him because I got the first picture. Well, it would have been before that. I got my first picture of him when he was two and a half, and then uh, after that. But anyways, it was cool to have that history with yeah. him, and then and then get him. It was fun. Resilient, so, resilient. Yeah, very much. <laughs> well, uh, well, hey, let's do this. Bro. Let's let's take a break real quick. Uh, All right. We'll come back and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about these these bird dogs that you like to raise, and and uh, All so right. we'll take a listen to one of your songs. How's that sound? That sounds great. Perfect. And that segment brought to you by All Seasons Feeders. If you haven't seen the 600-pound stand and fill, it's what I have at my lease, and it is so convenient. I don't have to drive my truck up to the feeder. I don't have to bring a ladder. Nope. 
just stand there and dump the corn or protein or cotton seed or whatever it is you feed your deer. Just dump it in there. It's so easy. And you can find it at allseasonsfeeders.com. Y'all stick around. We'll be right back with more from Mo Pitney right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. People just walked on by as I cried. Hey y'all, Cable here for my good friends over at Outlaw Outfitters. This veteran-owned and operated outfit will put you on the ducks, to say the least. I've been hunting with them for, gosh, four or five years now. They also do a deer, hog, and turkey as well. They have over 15,000 acres they hunt in Collin, Grayson, and Fannin counties. Whether you want to do a turnkey, you know, one-morning waterfowl hunt, or a complete weekend package with authentic Cajun cooking and lodging, it's all right there within an hour of the Metroplex, and you can find them at huntoutlaw.com. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at bobcatadvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000. Hey, y'all. Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. I'm Earl Dibbles Jr. I'm a country boy. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Old stogies I have found Short but not too big around I'm a man of means by no means King of the road, I know every engineer on every train. Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Hope everyone is having a wonderful day. Better yet, hope you're having an amazing fall hunting season. Um, I've been blessed to put two bucks, uh, actually two whitetail bucks, a mule deer, and an elk in the freezer, so uh, I can't complain lots of venison and it's it's wonderful to be able to share that harvest with friends and family during the holiday season and here's a gift idea for you by the way uh summer sausage that is one of my go-tos because yeah summer sausage people like eh, okay thanks so much you know here's a log of summer sausage but when you've gone out into the field and harvested that animal with your own two hands it means a lot more people are always happy to get it so there you go. Anyway, we are visiting with country recording artist and avid outdoorsman Mo Pitney here this morning. Before we pick it back up with Mo, though, this segment brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit. You know, land is the one thing they're not making any more of. We all want it, and Lone Star Ag Credit has been making that dream a reality for over 100 years. So if you're looking to finance your piece of paradise, give them a shout. You can find them at LoneStarAgCredit.com. All right, let's go ahead and jump back into it here with Mo Pitney. He was nice enough to stick around through the break. We certainly appreciate it, Mo. Yeah, I'm enjoying talking about hunting a little <laughs> bit more than just music. I normally just 
talk about my records when I'm on a phone interview like this. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's why we wanted to have you on because we found out that uh, you were a passionate outdoorsman. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, we were talking about these uh, these bird dogs. Your dad got you one, two of them for Christmas when you were a kid. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you, uh, that's kind of how I found out about you is um, – I don't know if you're if you're familiar with Turnpike Troubadours or if you like their music or whatever. Uh, oh no, I have to look them up. Yeah, well, uh, they're one of their their lead singer Evan Felker. He he raises uh, he raises pointers, and one of our All listeners right. was listening to that interview with him, and he said, "Oh man, you should uh, you should get Mo on because he raises bird dogs too, and and that would be cool, to, huh. you know, something cool to talk about." So nice. Yeah. Um, so you actually you raise Britneys, right? I do. Uh-huh. I have four of them. My first two, like I said, were some that uh, my mom and dad bought me and my brother, actually, for Christmas. And they gave them to us on the night of Christmas Eve at my grandparents' house to try to throw us off because they thought we were on their scent trail. <laughs> and they thought they knew we had them, but I actually didn't. So it was like a double surprise. But awesome. But anyways, I cried when I got them because I was so, had asked so long for it. And, and I was homeschooled. And the two things I put my time to was, was training those two dogs with my brother and playing music. And if I was not inside, I was either hunting or training. And if I was inside, I was playing music. But anyways, those two dogs kind of working and pointing well and backing and retrieving by two years old. And then I ended up doing some trading, and I got a female dog named Daisy from a friend of mine in Rockford who also raised Britneys. And then now I've got a new pup who's uh, pushing two years old, who is the daughter of Duchess, mm-hmm. which she had a litter of one, which is very rare right. um, this last couple years ago, and he's turning out to be a really good dog too, but... My brother and I like to go to South Dakota and, and pheasant hunt back home in Rockford around Thanksgiving and Christmas. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, we just love it. Yeah. So, and so, wait, and so you said you just got into the quail? Yeah. You know, when I came down here, my first three dogs were the only ones I had, Duke, Dutchess, and Daisy. And they they uh, only had seen big old chicken-like birds. <laughs> And so we had to kind of season them a little bit with quail, which when there's a big enough covey, they were doing fine. And uh, we started hunting some public land here and and just kind of learning about a different type of bird, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, our biggest hurdle was retrieving. We didn't know what to do with tiny birds. And so they mouthed them up a little bit. But once they figured it out, after a while, they started to do better and, and... it's it's really fun chasing the cubbies of quail around. Oh yeah, there's few things that are more sporting and, and enjoyable than than hunting those bob whites behind a, a good pointing dog. Oh um, man, it's but it sounds like just like you had to learn how to whitetail hunt and are still figuring it out in Tennessee. You know, coming from Illinois, it sounds like you know that's kind of like the dogs were in for that uh, that experience. Learning well. curve. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, when I moved here, I was I had didn't ever really like change when I was growing up. So when I moved here, I was really bummed out. I I thought I was never going to find any more 150 class deer on my trail cameras. Didn't know anything about quail, um, but I gained 
uh, turkey hunting. Uh, that started to become really fun for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I got the bug for quail hunting, I just said, Do you know what, this might not have been a bad move. <laughs> and uh, I've kind of broadened my spectrum a little bit and learned a little more about hunting. Right. Well, so what is it about Britneys that, uh, it, what's your favorite thing about that breed? They're a softer dog than most any I've ever hunted. You might be able to have a dog that might hunt better than mine, um, but uh, Britneys are really lovers. And I know if you got a short hair guy, he will fight for a short hair and a Brittany. And I've hunted behind great short hairs and English pointers and setters. Um, but I like dogs that hunt close. These dogs got shorter legs. Hard to break them from running far. Uh, best I can tell, at least the Britneys I have, is if you win their heart in the living room, they are your buddy in the field. And they just, all they want to do is please you. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're they're a very people dog, more so than any, I think, I've ever known as far as, you know, uh, hunting dogs go. And I like the ability to have a pet at home, but then a, a dog that really hunts well. Uh, in the field, not saying that other dogs wouldn't do that, but for the most I've been around, the best I can explain is they're just a softer dog than most. Right, right. Yeah, I hunted with an amazing one. Uh, My buddy uh, Evan has one. Uh, We went out to his place in West Texas last year, and and I and I took I, I've got a lab and and she loves you know we love to duck hunt and dove hunt and yeah she loves to retrieve and so she was working behind this this Brittany and I'm thinking okay this Brittany's just going to point and then he's going to be off as soon as we start shooting he's going to be looking for the next covey because a lot of them <laughs> don't like to retrieve yeah uh, mm-hmm. and so but no this this thing was a stud he would he would point them he'd retrieve them I would look at my lab and oh. I was like I'm sorry you don't really have much to do here you know <laughs> yeah my uh, male won't retrieve mm-hmm. um but I've got uh my oldest male won't retrieve and my my oldest female had a hard time retrieving this this dog Daisy mm-hmm. she is she will retrieve on water she'll retrieve anywhere and then also my new puppies uh, is a better retriever than my first two dogs. I always thought it was because I didn't spend as much time working with them retrieving. But I, like you said, there a lot of times a Brittany will have a hard time with retrieving. But I'm thankful to have one that will always pick up our birds for us no matter where they're at. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, and, and so you, got, you train them yourself. What uh, Do you use a book or, or what was your guideline <laughs> or your, your regimen? I uh, took a little here and a little there. And uh, I wasn't a good reader when I started uh, working with these dogs, but I could get on the Internet and I would read little articles. I would study. I would find videos. There was a couple dog training videos that I watched. And then I got a little overwhelmed and I said, what are the commands that I really want them to figure out? Mm -hmm. And And I wanted them to be woe trained and I wanted them to learn how to heal and then just to listen to me. And the way I woe trained them is that I tied a rope uh, to their collar and then around their waist and then tied it up in a tree and then took another lead. The dog walked towards me when they get to the end of the rope and stop them. Uh, you don't want them to sit because you don't want a pointing dog to sit. Then I would raise their back end if they wanted to sit because the other side was tied to a tree. And just say whoa. And once they started to realize what that command was, wanted to obey because I told you I've won their heart in the living room. Mm-hmm. You know, 
um, once they figured out what I was telling them to do, they could do that. And I could take that. I never, uh, on my first two dogs, I don't think I ever bought pen raised birds, Mm -hmm. but in my backyard, uh, I just lucked out. Like I said, I was homeschooled and I had a forest preserve in my backyard that there was this one patch of grass where we could point and there'd be 40 birds in it. (laughs) And even that was rare for Illinois, but this spot, nobody could hunt. So they were just in a little honey hole and I couldn't drive and I had all the time in the world. And I just walked these dogs and we pointed birds after birds after birds until they were really ready to go. And then I would take them out to my spot that I would slowly accumulate, which one thing that was helpful, my grandpa started the Rockford Rescue Mission in town. And uh, so a lot of people knew the name Pitney, and I could pretty much walk up to all these farmers and say my last name was Pitney, and they would let me hunt their farm. Thanks, Grandpa. And uh, yeah. I know it was it was really, he did a lot of amazing things more than getting me hunting land, but that was one awesome thing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that's a little of the, you know, I just kind of learned my way as I went and, uh, that's kind of how it turned out. And like I said, I, I didn't spend as much time on retrieving on them first two dogs and they have a really tough time with that. But I, I spent more time with that on my, my next two. And, and it's, I've just learned as I've gone, I guess. Right. Right. Well, just like life. So, so. Yeah. Um, well, let's take a listen to a tune that really struck a chord with me. It's off your 2016 record, Behind This Guitar, and it's called It's Just a Dog. Yeah. Ten years ago, I was on my way home. Saw her walking on the side of the highway alone. It was raining like hell, and I kept telling myself, not my problem. Keep on driving just like everybody else Why should I be the one Pulling over on the shoulder at night It's just a dog, right? From the cab of my truck To the foot of my bed to a new pair of boots that she chewed into shreds Digging holes in the yard, chasing cars down the street To one got her, and when I found her, you'd have thought it hit me It took half of my savings to save her, but I didn't think twice It's just a dog Right. Just an old mutt Riding shotgun Getting my seats all muddy Just the one who I come home to Just my best fishing buddy We were walking that spring In the sand on the beach You know she was the reason Amy walked up to me She lost her place on the couch But she kept her cool Cause she was crazy about Amy 
And she knew I was too And the night that girl left me She kept me from losing my mind But it's just a dog, right? It's 83 degrees today And man, I can hardly wait To get this truck down to the lake I bet the bass are hitting Boats in my rear view mirror Got my tackle box and all my gear The wind is right, the sky is clear There's only one thing missing Just an old mutt Riding shotgun Getting my seats all muddy It just hit me done with me like she was this past Sunday why am I pulling over on the shoulder with tears in my eyes it's just a dog right she was just a dog Hang on, Mo. I got to get these tears out of my beer here. That one reminds me of my 14-year-old lab, Maverick. He passed. Gosh, it's been a year and a half now. But there's not a day that goes by. I don't know if you wrote that specifically about one of your dogs or just the relationship between us and man's best friend, but certainly a tearjerker. That's actually, uh, the way I tell people that song is about a mutt. Mm -hmm. And the way I say that is that there was three writers on that song, and every one of us is writing about our own dog. <laughs> right. So so everybody got their kind of memorable things in there. Um, and my first dog that I was actually thinking about was actually um, not one of my hunting dogs. It was one of my first house dogs that my parents got me a lot earlier than my Britney's, but it's still uh, applied with being attached to them, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, so. you know, you, you don't sound like all the uh, the douchey, bro, rap rock, fake country coming out of Nashville these days. Your sound's authentic and, and the delivery, it feels like our brand of Texas country or red dirt that, you know, we're known for down in these parts. Uh. Um, and so I was going to ask you, how how often do you get down here and what has your reception been like? in this part of the world? Well, the best I can say is we've been in Texas more than we've been anywhere else. I think we've probably, you could probably add up every other place we've been in the U.S. this last year, and it would probably even out as much as we've just played in Texas. I like to hear it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we've had, you know, like you said, I don't know if it's just because it's got that style to it, but, you know, we've gotten to play a lot of shows with, like, Cody Johnson, and uh open up for a couple people and then play a lot of little clubs you know yeah and uh, so there's been a little niche that people have been always inviting us back there and we feel always at home and received well even though i'm from the other side of the world it seems like um whenever i tell people i'm from rockford i'm always hesitant 
but even that I've said that they, they always welcome us and enjoy the music and I've been thankful for that. Yeah. Well, I, I certainly enjoy the music, man. And, and, uh, so you've got the one record, uh, which came out last year. What are you working on right now? I imagine there's gotta be, uh, a follow-up in the works. Yeah. I'm just on the front end of a new record and, one of the songs that I recorded to kind of kick off that and get a vibe of the direction that we're going to go is actually My Father Didn't Raise No Fool, which you brought up before. It's not even mixed yet, but we recorded it at Curb Records. And I'm trying to get a little feel for what studio I'm, I'm going to end up using. Curb Studio is, is uh, you know high up on the list but i'm still being a little patient just make sure i make the right decision for these next steps and then once i make that decision we're going to try to take off and really start to to make a record um but uh, yeah hopefully in the next six months we should have something uh, that people can hear at least a single in the next three months maybe that could start floating around on radio and see what it does and uh, yeah, that's where we're at. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's exciting, man. And, uh, you know, folks can find you. You've got, obviously got your website, uh, which I, what is it? Just mopitney.com. Yep. Uh, and then, uh, Facebook. And then, like I said, if you want to see some hunting pictures mixed in with some music pictures, you can check Mo out on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, and let me ask you this as we're just wrapping up here. What, uh, what is a, what is your bucket list hunt, Mo, that you haven't been on? I don't know. You're obviously a big bow hunter i don't know if chasing elk or something else out west appeals to you but uh i've always said growing up as far as having a bow in my hand would go my bucket list would be to shoot a bull elk and colorado's one of my favorite places in the world uh that's where my wife and i had our honeymoon and we spent most of the time driving around just looking at elk and, <laughs> and she was actually interested in that she thought that was so cool but um, so that's been a bucket list for mine. Um, I, I am really connected with, with being tied to a tree in the morning in Illinois or in, in Iowa or something and being able to kill a, you know, 180 inch deer. I mean, that's also a dream hunt yeah. if it would play out that way. But, uh, you know, a big quail hunt in Texas with my dog, that is another uh, high one on my list to be able to actually find multiple coveys in the day and you know i've always kind of just scratched around on public land so i've not had amazing quail hunt before so we'll, we'll set it up you bring the uh, you got the new dog box you load it up with uh with yeah Daisy and and uh, you don't know the name of your other pup there, duke but. and duchess and charles yeah. <laughs> we'll get i would love it bob white blues you, know, you never know what you're going to get into this new bo dog box, I might, I'm standing here by this bus. I might figure out a way to put it on the back of this thing. <laughs> and uh, that next time we take a uh, trip down there to play some music, I'll just have them with me. Yeah, right on, brother. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, you got an open invite. We'll make it happen. That would be awesome. We would love that. My brother would, too. So. Well, Mo, certainly enjoy the music, man. Thanks for your time today, and uh, we look forward to seeing uh you know what the first single is for for the new project yeah well that would be great thank you so much for letting me just babble about huh. man. <laughs> all righty we'll all right. see you later thank you so much all right take care all right there he goes mo pitney i tell you what i, I think uh the sky's the limit for him it has a throwback to uh 
days of good old real country music. Uh, that segment of the show brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. And I'd like to invite you personally to come out to Legacy January 4th through the 7th. It is the biggest and best hunting expo on the planet. For four days, guides, outfitters, uh, jewelers, artists, clothiers, um, taxidermists, anything that has to do with hunting, fishing, and the outdoor lifestyle, the entire planet converges in Dallas, Texas, January 4th through the 7th. I'd like to see you there. Come on out. For more info, check us out at biggame.org. All right, we'll be right back. Uh, up next, we're going to talk some Bob White quail. Numbers are down. The conditions weren't. So what is the deal? We discuss next with Quail Coalition Executive Director Jay Stein right here on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. Don't blink cause like blue bonnets in the spring. We're only here for a little while. Hey, it's Justin at DontTradeItIn.com. Have you ever felt like you didn't get enough for your trade-in at a car dealership? You probably didn't. Trade-ins usually become inventory, and most car dealerships are like other businesses. They want inventory costs to be as low as possible. DontTradeItIn.com buys vehicles for more, guaranteed. Are you worried about mechanical and or cosmetic issues? Not planning on replacing your vehicle? No problem. We'll still make you a cash offer. DontTradeItIn.com even buys customized, off-road, special interest, classic, and exotic vehicles. Head over to DontTradeItIn.com, answer some quick questions, and you get a cash bid on your vehicle in no time. DontTradeItIn.com or call or text us at 469-300-9669. Again, that's 469-300-9669. A rock steady point. A covey rises. Over-unders ring out. Cable here for White Rock Upland Birds, an outfit Bell and I have hunted with many times. Whether you bring your bird dogs or use their polished pointers, hunting quail and pheasant on the White Rock Trophy Ranch is an experience to remember. Located 45 minutes from GFW in Italy, Texas, White Rock will waive the $150 guide fee if you mention the Lone Star Outdoors show. Plus, save $25 off any package if you bring your own dogs. So grab your buddies and shotguns and call 972-880-9068 today. Hey, North Texas sports fans, this is Brian Spagnola, General Manager of Texas Motor Cars in Addison. My family's been in the car business for over 50 years, and I want to show you the difference in buying from a family-owned and operated business. TexasMotorCars.com is an awesome website that lets you do virtually all of your shopping online. We have a professional photographer that takes amazing photos, and we give you all the information that you'll need up front. You can even find out how much we will give you for your trade-in before you ever come in. I take pride in the fact you can come in, choose a car, and be out in less than an hour. We have financing rates starting at 1.79% on pre-owned vehicles and can help almost anybody. Please do yourself a favor. If you're in the market for a pre-owned vehicle of any kind, give us a shot. Let me show you how easy buying a vehicle should be. Visit TexasMotorCars.com or come visit our 20,000-square-foot indoor showroom in Addison. Again, visit TexasMotorCars.com or call us at 1-888-9-TX-MOTORS. Clark, that's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. That it is, Edward. Where the quail gonna fly to? Where will the rabbits run now? Watch them tear all the hell what used to be my church. Oh, Chris Knight bringing us back. Dirt is the name of that one. I'm Cable Smith, by the way, and you are tuned in to the Lone Star Outdoors show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Thank you so much for being here today as we are all set to talk some quail 
with Jay Stein. He is the executive director of the Quail Coalition. Uh, but before we get into a little Bob White conversation, this segment of the show is brought to you by John X Safaris, a second-generation safari outfit. I had the chance to hunt South Africa with them last summer. I'm going again June 22nd through the 30th. We've still got three spots left, so if you're interested, you and your buddy, you and your wife, kids, whatever, if you want to come on the hunting trip of a lifetime, and I guarantee you it is that indeed, then send me an email to LoneStarOutdoorsShow at gmail.com. And we'll get you signed up on an epic adventure with John X Safaris. All right. Uh, well, let's go ahead now and bring on our next guest. He joins me now in studio, an old friend of the show, here to talk some quail. It's the Quail Coalition Executive Director, Jay Stein. Thanks for dropping by. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Uh, so we're going to talk quail this morning. But first of all, I'm a little jealous because uh, you just got back from <laughs> South Dakota doing a little pheasant hunting up there. Yeah. And uh, that's something that's been on my bucket list for some time is to chase roosters up there. Just haven't made the trek yet. Yeah, you need to do it. Uh, it's, it's South Dakota pheasants are a little down this year, but the place we were in was a, a honey hole. The uh, family that runs the place worked really hard this summer to keep water out there, running uh, water trucks. But uh, we had a great pheasant hunt. Uh, wasn't long enough. We're only there for a couple of days, but yeah. it's always fun. Is that is South Dakota the state where you can't start hunting till afternoon? Yeah, it's ten o'clock. Ten o'clock. <laughs> yeah, I've always I was like that's yeah. so weird. But uh, has anyone ever told you why that is? I you know I don't know. It's <laughs> nice for me. I'm you know it, sleep. Yeah, we get a little rowdy at night, and it's good to <laughs> sleep in a little bit and yeah. not have to rush out there. I understand that. Um, uh, well, so and I've been hearing reports from from different areas of the state as far as hunters here in the first uh uh, what how many weeks is the season been open now Uh, about four weeks it's first first of november yeah uh you know cubbies are down uh cubbies are down but it's across i mean it's really random Mm -hmm. some places are having great hunts uh some are really down it's been really warm so it's for me i'm not really uh gonna judge it until we get some cold weather and a little better weather for the dogs to work in but mm-hmm. yeah there's across the board it's down anywhere from 20 to 50 percent uh yeah. there's still a lot of birds out there but we got a little spoiled last year and um it's just really it's kind of interesting this year the reports really vary some people are having hunts close to what they had last year and some people are really way down so we're gonna wait until we get a little bit more into season and um, you know, a lot of people haven't even really been hunting cause it's been 80 so degrees long, on the weekend. So, yeah. uh, a lot of the folks don't really get into the hunting until closer to Christmas. So, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll get a little better sense of how it's going to be around then. Well, it's just, um, a little alarming, I guess, just looking at it and, and thinking about these two great seasons we had, like, like we said last year was, uh, and we've had Dale Rollins on from mm-hmm. the uh, Rolling Plains Quail Research, um, Institute or is it center? Which one is it? Uh, Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch. Ranch, okay. And last year he said, "Man, this is the best quail mm-hmm. hunting in, in my entire life." That's right. He's been doing yeah. that. He's been doing it 40, yeah. 50 years. His whole life, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so to hear that, and then to go out to uh, the Panhandle and, and experience it firsthand, and see, oh my gosh, uh, I've never in my life been on a quail hunt where we say we even pointed like five coveys right. a day, and right. to go out there. I think we point just lost count. Yeah, you that's know? right. Yeah, a lot of incredible, a lot of forty and fifty covey days last year. Yeah, and 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 the range conditions for last spring and summer 
They weren't terrible for quail reproduction. Uh, no, uh, quail are a boom and bust species. Mm-hmm. So when the conditions are right, they can boom. But uh, biologically, they're uh, going to reduce their populations. Uh, we didn't have a drought this year. I mean, it, it, it was really dry in a lot of areas, but uh, compared to 2013, 2011, it was a little more closer to average. But uh, they, they can't sustain those populations forever. And, uh, you know, 2016, we did have a lot of rain, and that really helped. And mm-hmm. this year, some of the rain dropped off, and we saw a, a population decline. And we still think there's other factors out there. Yeah. And uh, it's possible we, had a, possibly we had a, a parasite explosion. Um, I'm not a biologist by any stretch, but uh, that, that's a theory that's working on some people that saw a lot of birds in August and September and, and they're not seeing them now. So yeah, we're still trying to put all that together. And a lot of the research we've funded mm-hmm. will be able to help determine that. Yeah. Well, and so obviously that parasite you're referencing is eye worms. Eye worms and sequel worms. Okay. Uh, the sequel worms is a worm that gets in the intestine uh-huh. and uh, really part of the research that was done several years ago identified both of those. Uh, the eye worm gets a little more attention because it's something we didn't know about. Uh, sequel worms uh, we've known about, but they're, uh, you know, certain areas are more impacted than others, but a lot of sequel worms and some birds. And um, is, it, is that fatal if the bird gets it? That's uh, open for debate. Um, because I don't, I mean, like, and same with eye worms. I don't know what the lethality sure. of these are, or if it just like if this quail's running around, he can't see because he's got worms in his eyes. I mean, yeah, it make him an easy snack for anything. It may not necessarily be fatal, but it may cause things that that happen to be fatal. Right. Um, you know, the reports of birds flying into cars and birds flying into barns and into razor uh, barbed wire. Um, the sequel worms, you know, can impact a, a bird's diet or it. You know, there's, it there's a lot of downstream effects of having some parasites and in, in excessive loads. Yeah. So how can you find out, say, whether you've been hunting or you just come across a dead quail, looks relatively healthy and it's mm-hmm. just laying there dead. How, how can I find out if that bird is uh, infected with some kind of parasite? Well, there's a couple of ways. Um, one, if, if you have an actual bird, uh, you could send it to uh, several places to, and we kind of quit doing that just because we did identify the problem. But uh, the, the wildlife toxicology lab in Texas Tech uh, can certainly test those birds. Uh, I'm not sure. I'd have to look into how we get those birds to them. Uh, the, also, the Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch, They, I believe they still kind of dissect some birds and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. But uh, the big thing we funded was a mobile lab uh, that we're going to try to get out there and that's run by the Texas Tech Wildlife Toxicology Lab, and uh, they'll have a unit that they can drive around in parts of Texas, and uh, we haven't worked the logistics out, but hopefully set up a station where you can bring a bird by and have it sampled. Hmm. Um, For this season or next season? um, You know, hopefully this season. Uh, We've talked about getting it out more in West Texas, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's also a way where, the old way to identify the parasite load, you had to kill the bird. Now they can do it through uh, fecal swabs and uh, and and sample it without having to kill the bird, and mm. uh, that's <laughs> on a really molecular level, uh, pretty intense research. But yeah. but they can do that. Right. Uh, well, last time you were in studio, we talked about a possible medicated feed mm-hmm. for the eye worms, and I don't think it's been released yet. 
Where are we on on that? It's still uh, pending approval from the FDA, right. and it's getting very close. Uh, I don't. We're really expecting it to be on the market in the next six months. Okay. Can't promise that, but it's uh, just all indications are. Uh, they'll have quail feeders. Um, the uh, delivery system is going to be probably unveiled later, uh, but there's there's a certain kind of feeder that you can use. Mm-hmm. Um, but there will also probably be some things that hit the market once the the, the product gets out there. Hmm. Right now, it's just trying to get the chemical approved. Um, it's basically a dewormer for your quail, just like we deworm dogs and cattle and horses. Uh, you'll have one for quail. Wow. Okay. Awesome. Well, it's great to hear that that's uh, should be here pretty soon. Um, one other thing I wanted to ask you, though, is because I was talking to a wildlife biologist out uh, around the, I guess, a graduate from Texas Tech and. Uh, they said, you know, I've seen so many predators on the landscape because we, you know, just like the quail, it's mm-hmm. just, they're going to follow. We've got more quail. We've got more cottontails. Now we've got more predators. That's right. And eventually that those predators are going to peak. They're going to reach their carrying capacity, uh, but they're going to do a lot of damage on, you know, quail, rabbits. Well, quite possibly. Be. Right. So I don't, and, and I've, and I've noticed too, just from looking on social media, I've never seen so many people shooting bobcats in <laughs> right. the last two years. I'm yeah. serious. I mean, mm-hmm. it went from, oh, you got a bobcat. That's really cool. Pretty rare to everybody shooting bobcats. Right. So, um, and, and I've seen, I, I've shot one last year. He was stalking quail at a feeder. Here he comes in. He's and like, he probably did it every day, mm-hmm. you know, just like as part of his normal routine. Uh, so do you think that that could be a factor? Um, it's definitely a theory that, mm-hmm. you know, back uh, 20, 30 years ago, a lot of trappers would go out and trap uh, raccoons and bobcats. It's not as popular anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of people do feel that there's been a increase in those populations. Um, <clears throat> certainly predators play a role. Uh, we don't know if that's caused a severe decline, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, predators out there that either eat eggs or eat the uh, birds themselves. So mm-hmm. it's it's part of the uh, equation as far as the, the declines, I don't I wouldn't say it's the sole reason for the declines. Sure. But what what do you think kills more quail? And this is just you know subjective, your own uh, opinion. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's birds of prey or or uh, mammals? Um, you know, I'm, I mean, my like my hawks. opinion would be the mammals, uh, oh, okay. the the nest predators, uh-huh. um, skunks and raccoons uh, kill a quail before it even becomes a quail. Right, but uh, right. you know, there's. Uh, Dr. Rollins is really in on the research. They have uh, folks that come through the research ranch and and do the uh, avian predator studies, and uh, certainly a factor when the when the hawks migrate. Uh, the the hawks that are native they they love quail, and uh, we've seen lots of a lot. That's right. They're, you know the the nest predators have, are a huge factor because that prevents your your future population. Sure, sure. Yeah, and there's just the the fur trade has you know. For animals like skunks and, and raccoons, it's essentially not That's right. These yeah. days. Nothing like it used to be. Yeah. And and for bobcats and coyotes in, in our part of the world, once you've gone through the effort of tanning their hides, you've lost money on the deal. Yeah, right. Yeah. But if you you know, if you got one in South Dakota, a big mm-hmm. furred up one, uh, that can bring two hundred and fifty dollars. You know, there are theories that coyotes actually help quail by huh. keeping other predators in check. Interesting. Um, so you know, the coyote's always the bad guy, but in some ways he could be more of a good guy for quail. Huh. Okay. Fascinating. Um, well, also coming up on the calendar, just shifting gears mm-hmm. here, 
Um, we've got Dow Safari Club. You guys will have a, a booth out there. Right. We actually sponsor a section uh, called Wing Shooters World. So yeah. we'll have uh, some outfitters that, you know, pheasant hunting, quail hunting uh, from, you know, Georgia, uh, South Dakota, all over. Uh, we'll also have a booth, Quail Coalition. Uh, some of our uh, uh, beneficiaries that we fund will be there. I know Dr. Rollins will be there, and uh, the Quail Tech guys are usually there, and uh, we'll, we'll have a few of those so you can come by and, you know, learn some, some more about quail biology. Mm-hmm. And sign up for a uh, That's know, right, Quail membership. Coalition membership. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, also coming up early spring, we've got the Park Cities Banquet. I think that's uh, early March. March 8th, okay. right. Okay. And so, it's, uh, you know, if you're interested in going, you better get on it because yeah. it's probably 80% sold out. And we're usually – sell out before Christmas. So uh-huh. we're getting real close. Awesome. Okay. Uh, and then just kind of more on a, on a statewide level, mm-hmm. we've got other chapters, uh, throughout the state. That's right. I don't know exactly how many we have. Uh, we have 12 chapters Okay. and uh, we're growing. We've, we're working on a chapter in Midland, which should be up pretty soon and, uh, talk to the guys in Lubbock and they're interested in uh, getting a chapter going up there too. So, uh, yeah, we've got you know, pretty much every major city in Texas. And uh, we had a rough summer with the hurricane. Uh, we had one banquet uh, canceled and another banquet. Uh, our South Texas guys in Kingsville had their uh, banquet venue used as a, a hurricane shelter. So they had to, uh, they did a great job, came back a couple of weeks later, had their banquet and the revenues were down, but not as much as you would expect. And uh, they raised a lot of money for quail and uh, a lot of their money goes to the Caesar Clayburg Wildlife Research Institute. So uh, I really want to give them a shout out for pulling together and, awesome. and reorganizing in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, if folks want to get involved mm-hmm. with uh, Quail Coalition, what's the website? Uh, quailcoalition.org, uh-huh. not .com, right. .org. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, you can get a, a membership application there or find out more about our, our coming events. Awesome. Yeah, and, and the mission statement, like we said, is just uh, making sure that the quail are there for, for future generations. That's right. Yeah, preserve our hunting heritage. Yeah. So, uh, big fan here. Thanks for coming by. We always appreciate it. You bet. Thanks for having us. Our good friend, Jay Stein. Always a treat having him in studio. Uh, man, I love talking quail hunting and, and bird dogs. There's no doubt about that. Uh, that segment brought to you by IOTA Outdoors. Check out the 27-ounce IOTA Crux rifle stock. Perfect for the backcountry hunter. Hey, maybe you're going on a safari, you know, doing a lot of walking. Hey, that's when a lightweight, durable, and, and absorbent <laughs> uh, rifle stock comes into play. And the IOTA Crux is perfect for those situations. Check them out at iotaoutdoors.com. Unfortunately, just looking at the clock here, we've got to go. Got to get out of here. Uh, thanks to all of our guests today. Of course, Jay Stein, also uh, country artist and avid outdoorsman Mo Pitney. Y'all check his music out. He He's going to be one of the next big things, I tell you. And uh, and then, uh, of course, Dr. Deer. It was great breaking down the ones and twos of the Whitetail Woods with him today. Uh, we will do it again same time, same place next week. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying Merry Christmas, and y'all have a great week in the outdoors. comes to cover the ground, it's the time for play. It's a wet cream day. I wait for it the whole year.